All right. It looks like we're live. All right. All right. Let's let me see if I can get this out into the world. Ooh, we're going Twitter live. Yeah, we're going Twitter live here. Oh, this is cool. <laughs> this is cool. All right. I just retweeted it. Let me do this. Nice. Quote retweet. I gotta I gotta do the same when it comes up. I'll have to do some refreshing of my uh, my Twitter feed here. Refreshing of pages. There's always that pause. Yeah, I get it. Uh, let's see here. Oh. It, uh, yeah, there we go. We're good. Will, yeah, I saw your uh, tweet, and I will retweet. <laughs> <laughs> all right this is awesome all right so i guess with that we'll get started um welcome everybody to the lord and king book three in the drowned kingdom saga cover reveal i'm pleased to be joined by pl stewart my very good friend and and author of this wonderful epic fantasy series um book one is a drowned kingdom which is right here i love the gorgeous cover art it's just just beautiful and book two, which was released last year, um, The Last of the Atalanteans, which, again, gorgeous cover. Who doesn't love a mammoth, right? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and later in the show, as you can probably tell, we will be revealing the cover for Lord and King. Uh, it is a gorgeous cover. Can't wait for you all to see it. But before we get to um, all that. Uh, thank you guys all for uh, joining me. This is one of my first live stream cover reveals, so it's a pleasure to have you guys on board. Um, before we get into any of that, uh, we will be talking about the previous books in the series. So if you haven't read A Drowned Kingdom or The Last of the Atalanteans, we'll, we'll try not to get too spoilery in here to, uh, to kind of give you guys uh, a heads up, but we will be talking about uh, events. So if you don't feel like you want to any of it, ruined um feel free to save this uh, live stream and later when it's released on my podcast and then re-listen to it then we just don't want anyone to um be ruined of the events that to come um but now that we're on the same page pl how, welcome how are you how does it feel to have a new book coming out well, thank you so much, Blaze, for doing this. Um, you know, you've uh, also uh, released uh, the cover for The Last Atlanteans last year. Wow, around this time. So I'm so honored that you do this for me. Thank you so much. It feels very exciting. Uh, I'm very stoked. Uh, I am, uh, this is book three of the Drunk Game Saga. And uh, when people read the book in the acknowledgments, um, I've written that, and it's very true that, you know, when you first start a series like this, a seven book series, you think that, it's going to take forever. And now, you know, I'm in the middle of writing book four. And that means when I finish book four, it'll be halfway done. So, um, you know, time has flown and it's been a wonderful experience. I've learned so much about myself, about writing. Uh, paired with my lovely wife, Debbie, my business manager and partner, we've gone on this entrepreneurial journey and it's been wonderful. Um, you know, met so many phenomenal creatives and, you know, but yeah, it's 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 really uh, exciting. So I feel great about Lord and King. Yeah, almost halfway done with this series, but you also have a prequel trilogy. You have, an, have another seven series trilogy. You have a lot of other stuff in this world that you're planning on writing. And for our conversations before, you have like the majority of it already planned out. How do you keep this all in your head? I'm just wondering. 
Well, it's that, that crazy brain of mine. Um, you know, I, I'm not thinking of not a planner, and I have planned out the series to such a degree that I know uh, what all the cover art will be. Um, I have all the back cover blurbs written. I have all the titles chosen. Um, you know, so if anything, I think that helps keep me on track and helps me focus on the writing itself and all these more extraneous details, important details, but somewhat extraneous details are, are pretty well taken care of. I don't have to spend a lot of time on them, right? I know what maps I'm going to need to add and what family trees I'm going to need to add and to each successive book. And, and that's all planned out. So, um, you know, it just allows me to focus on writing and hopefully writing a better book each time. And, and I know that's a high bar to me, but my goal is like all authors, I strive for continuous improvement. And I want people to go, okay, A Drowned Kingdom was a good book. The Last Atlantis was an even better book. Hopefully they'll think that Lord and King was even better than The Last Atlantis. And with each book, I'd like to, to elevate that bar so that people are, are wowed and, and hopefully dazzled by, by my improvement as a writer with each book. Yeah, and speaking firsthand of Lord and King, it exceeds the first two books in every single way. It's just, it's incredible what you've done with this series so far. You've taken it in a direction and you've taken it a lot of twists I didn't see coming. And I know, <clears throat> excuse me, I know another other uh, ARC readers of this book felt the, exactly the same way. So we can't wait for get a hold of it in spring of 2023. Um, but why don't we do a little bit of um, recap? Um, and we're not going to go into the big, heavy details of A Drowned Kingdom. For everyone who's um, who's listening and who's a fan of my podcast, um, PL and I did a episode uh, uh, several months ago, I believe, and we went over the, all the details of uh, A Drowned A Drowned Kingdom, and then we we kind of like talk about a little bit of the last of the Antalantians. So for this one, let's just worry about the end of A Drowned Kingdom and then just talk about the last of the Atalanteans before we get into Lord and King. So A Drowned Kingdom ends basically on a on a cliffhanger. I, I know some people like cliffhangers, some don't. Uh, I, I'm indifferent to them. This one was very frustrating because it kind of felt like it was like half a chapter and then just stopped. And then we wanted to see what uh, what the resolution of that part was. So for those of you who've read it and you just want a refresher, it's it's Othron in disguise with with King Wiley and some of his other um, some of his other uh, Atalanteans. They're infiltrating the enemy territory. It's Wiley's wife who's actually betrayed him uh, and trying to take over his kingdom. And they're they're in disguise and trying to infiltrate the the castle in order for for their armies to infiltrate. So did you know that? Um, that's the way you want it to end a drowned kingdom and leading up to the last of the Atalanteans. And then we'll talk about each book and what they represent. Uh, yes, I did blaze. And, and it's one of those things whereby, um, I was a novice author and <laughs> no one had ever heard of me. Um, I'm an independent author and, and, and I felt that, you know, I didn't have the constraints of uh, being traditionally published whereby, uh, perhaps an editor might say, no, 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 you can't end that in a cliffhanger. I thought it was perhaps a bold move, yes, but one that I ultimately thought would pay off in terms of the overall enjoyment of the series. And when you look back um, after reading some books, you would appreciate that cliffhanger and why I ended it where I did. And I very much want to make that delineation between um, the events of A Drowned Kingdom and Othran's sort of coming out party um, in the last of the Atalanteans, and and not just this coming out party, but but um, the separation of um, you know 
he has come on this journey. He's taken on this new role. He has this responsibility. Um, but now in some essence, that responsibility has almost been taken away from him and has been turned over to other people. And he's there on this ruse of his own making. He's concocted this ruse to, to solidify um, himself. So he's taking this big gamble. He's a gambling man. And he's taking this big gamble and risked all this. And then when we transition to last Atlanteans, it's very symbolic because um, the title um, is all about the fact that um, whatever happens uh, from here on out, the Atlanteans will no longer be what they were. They will either perish and disappear from history in the face of the earth, or they will be part of a different kingdom and that kingdom will have a different name and they will become something different. Um, if they are, uh, you know, uh, also immersed with other um, races and, and nationalities. So um, that's that's the whole thing about the Lassie Atlanteans. It's very much um, uh, symbolic about the change that's occurring and that, um, you know, the colonial power that is Atlantics uh, will in some ways cease to exist finally after the remnants, the survivors have, have made this transition to this new world. So, Yeah, and Laura... And um, A Drowned Kingdom was all about, I consider A Drowned Kingdom to be in three parts, which it is in three parts, but it's kind of like each part is its own separate story besides the prologue uh, or like, yeah, the first prologue section. So part one is is Othran and his brother scoping out the, the land, trying to make alliances with the people, and then they go back and then basically... Uh, it's kind of kind of like a, a civil war in, ensues until until Othran and his people are forced to leave with the drowning of his kingdom. If you want more details on that, go go listen to our our podcast episode on that. Part two is when Othran and his people enter um, the land and they're trying like and they're immediately combated by um, enemies who are trying to. Um, take advantage of them and like put them in like slavery. And then they're trying to find alliances and then, and then slowly they're make their way over, over the land. And that's where the book um, ends. It's basically book one, a drowned kingdom is all about world building and build up and making alliances. Book two, you already have that foundation. You're going into more of a, like a, like a character journey Definitely more battles, definitely more um, fights, uh, a lot more vicious, definitely than, than book one, you, since you already have that base going on. And then into Lord and King, you just take that all the way to the next the next level. So with with everything you put into um, A Drowned Kingdom, you already had like a playground of what you wanted to do in this in this book. So what do you consider like each book to have like its own? A theme and like central points you want to get across. Yes, absolutely. So I, you nailed it, Blaze. A Drowned Kingdom was very much um, we're exploring um, the backstory of some of the backstory of Atlantics and the backstory of often the main character. You learn about his family, his upbringing, why it's dysfunctional, what his issues are, what his aspirations are, what what some of his challenges are of uh, being a, essentially a spare heir. And um, you know what he's going to do with all that. How, what, what, how is he going to make him make his way in the world? And then, of course, events happen, and that shakes up uh, some of his uh, his plans. And um, then he's thrust into this leadership position where he's responsible for you know essentially the last remnants of his people. And then um, 
because of all the things he uh, he goes through in a drowned kingdom, then um, again he he conceives this plan to solidify his position. It's a very daring, risky plan, and we see the events of that plan play out in the last of the Atlanteans. And the last of the Atlanteans is 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 you know chaotic in that um, the fight for this uh, solidification of Ottoman position comes at a high body count and cost. So. You know, but still wrapped up with all that is very much trails the the thread of um, the fact that the Atlanteans are changing, evolving, and that change has to come in order for them to survive. And that old ways and old ways of thinking will potentially die out and move on. Um, you know, that is very much the theme of the last Atlanteans, and also setting up and foreshadowing some payoffs that occur um, in in Lord and King, especially with the the um, ongoing conflict and struggle of religion and faith that begins in a drowned kingdom with uh, Othran's monotheistic religion and his aspirations to uh, con conquer, subjugate, and convert Akremia to that religion versus the uh, essentially the, the the indigenous people of of Altnia and Tenevia in Akremia who uh, have no uh, have no plans to allow that to happen. And how is this all going to work? Can Othran be an Elpnish uh, ruler, but not by, but, but not be Elpnish? Um, will he succeed in in subjugating and and converting this whole continent, or will the continent take him off the board? What's going to happen? How is it going to work out? So, uh, and and Lord and King is very much about the fallout and consequences of a lot of the things that I've set up throughout the first two books. Um, you're going to see Arthur in a new position, and and a lot of people probably worried about how he's going to handle that position and what he'll do with it. Well, uh, Lord and King shows you uh, exactly how, at least some indication, at least early on, how he will handle that position, and but more importantly, the kind of almost incomprehensible problems that you're faced with in such a role, um, the challenges of being uh, a leader in the role that he's in, the complexities of all the different people you have to appease, um, all the different political situations you have to navigate, um, the uh, the this and still the fight for your own survival because Othran is 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 hated and disliked for the very fact that he is um, you know the the he's the epitome of what At Atlantics was and he represents this colonial power that of of a, of a nation that was was notoriously not trusted for betraying um, its allies and you know he's someone who uh, people don't want uh, to be uh, in the position that he's in. So Lord and King tackles a lot of those questions. And and as well, uh, just to finish off, there is the, I've built up uh, from the beginning of the series, certainly uh, it, starting in, in the second and third parts and the tail end of uh, part one of book one, that the ancient civilization of the Anib, who are the uh, founders of, um, society in Eltnia specifically, um, you know, it's it's been it's been uh, foreshadowed that you know at some point um, there will there the Anub will return to Eltnia, um, and and that happens uh, in Lord the King, and uh, perhaps it happens in ways that uh, some people some reviewers have said it subverts expectations a bit. However, they enjoyed the way those expectations were subverted, and uh, yeah, so we we finally see. Um, you know, are the Anib what Othran believes that they are, 
or are they something different? Are they more uh, the way that um, all of the Elpnish have been um, portraying them to Othrin? So, yeah, there was a lot to un unpack in that. We'll go through it one by one. You're right. The book two and especially book three, it deals a lot with the religion. Othrun and his people, the Atlanteans, they are believers of the one true, one true God. The people of the world of the land that they are now in, they believe in the six elemental goddesses, especially um, Lysi, who is a central, very central character in the first uh, three books, at least, and the relationships and the conversations that she has with those around her. Um, also, Othron, he communicates with um, with a and like basically an angel, and he also has like a, a cursed sword, and he doesn't know what he doesn't know what to do is the angel like looking out after his best interest is the is is he look looking after what um he wants Othran to do uh, it doesn't know like you're leaving us up leaving up to the the reader to interpret all of this and also and building up to uh lord and king you're right uh with all the all the power and how that power is divided like all the ramifications of giving power to other to other people and what they're what they do with it and how they look down on other people and trying to inter trying to bring two different cultures together how does one how do they intermingle how's one if one thinks one's more dominant than the other there's so many ramifications that you set up through the first two books that pays off in lord and king and even then you're just setting up for what's what more what's to come. Um, by the end of it, I, I was like, damn, that was a fantastic read. But I can't wait to see what you have uh, in store. Um, yeah, uh, I'm not going to speak anything about the Anibi. That would be a little bit too uh, spoilery. But you're, you hit you hit all the right notes when it comes to introducing um, them and what their role is in the, in the larger scale. Uh, it's also, Othran's looking up, it's like, did he believe what, how should I put this? Did he believe what the tales are like these grand tales of these, of these, of these foreigners or was, was it told like by history is always told by the victor. Is that always the correct tale to that's going to be told? Is there a different version of it? And we've witnessed that firsthand in, in Lord, Lord and King in more ways than, than once so you're leaving little breadcrumbs all all throughout i keep wondering like how many more breadcrumbs do you have the rest of the series well there's quite a few and you know um there are specifically some things that that do get that have been foreshadowed um from the beginning of the book that there is some payoff as i said in Norton king uh specifically the three specific um plot lines that that get that get somewhat resolved in the words regarding specific characters that get resolved between um, the first book and Lord and King. And Lord and King also, um, it really um, points to the fact that there are um, forces um, mustering uh, both politically, militarily, and, and on the religious end that Othran is ill-prepared to totally comprehend um, you know, what is coming. He has some idea, but he is very ill-prepared to deal with them. And as well, in Lord and King, he also provokes some potential really problematic future conflict, um, you know, through his own greed, essentially, 
And, um, you know, that could have huge repercussions down the road. Uh, so, and but, but I think the thing about Lauren King is that um, a lot of it is about Othman's relationships with people, uh, relationships with the people around him, his, uh, his closest and staunchest supporters and allies, his enemies, those who could be his enemies, but might not, by not those who are his friends, but may uh, turn out to be enemies or not. They're, they're, it's all about his relationships with people. And this book um, very much, um, Othman is still the center, central figure, but I believe you see much more of the characters of some of the people who will be surrounding him going forward. Um, and what their motivations are, what role they might play. Um, you know, there's a lot of character work in this book um, beyond Othman. Othman's still at the center. Uh, however, I think you do see a lot more of the other characters um, kind of showing their their true colors and their worth, so to speak. Yeah, we do get a fair share and a healthy portion of some other characters in Lord and King. But Othram himself in Lord and King he surprised me because in books one, specifically book one, and then a little bit in book two, he's a character you just, you can't sympathize with. You kind of end up hating him um, for what he was, for the way he was raised, for what he believes. He, you know, he believes that his people are the one true, one true race and they should be ruling over everybody. The, the one religion is the, is the, end all be all and there's no other way around it it views everyone around them as like barbarians um but the further you get along in book two to some extent and especially in book three he starts to question what he's been like what he's been taught a, a little bit and he's also coming to realize that maybe there's a different way to look at things maybe there's um a different approach that he hasn't thought of yet and maybe there's a different side of the coin that he's starting to maybe realize and starting to put into his uh, thought processes and the way he rules his people. It comes up several times in Lord and King. And when you read it, you start to realize like, the wow, this was all, you could start to see like slowly the changes happening, so on, so, so on and so forth. You always wanted to, I feel like you always wanted to start Othron is a very very hard person to root for and slowly you start to notice the changes um in that and i always think that when it comes to a, an unlikable main character and one who some people might end up hating how much of his hate how much of his um like we could say racist prejudice whatever you want to say is a portion of just him being a bad person and him being just evil or is it a poor, is it a part of the way he was brought up and how, what was hammered into his mind? And people can people be redeemed? Some people may say yes. Some people may say no. It's a big theme that you keep pushing and hammering home. Um, can you just go a little bit into um, that, and not just specifically for like Lord and King or, or any of the previous books, but your series as like a whole, and maybe in, in your writing as a whole, I should say. Well, first of all, I was never one to believe that um, a main character needs to be likable. Um, I've always believed that they need to be uh, relatable. You need to be able to understand them to some degree. But I've never felt, I certainly for my enjoyment of the book, I've never needed um, a main character to be likable. I, I think probably if we did a poll, 
75 to 90 percent of people would prefer their main characters to be somewhat likable someone who they could somewhat root for someone they could somewhat get behind um, but that's not the kind of book i'm writing <laughs> so um you know i'm writing a book that is that is about a realistic journey of a character as he changes and evolves to a certain degree or not because that i believe is realistic and i and i think if you look at people such as Othran, um one thing I've talked about in many a podcast is that if we examine some of the uh, so-called great um, rulers in history that we tend to lionize, um, you know, throughout the age, especially um, you know, medieval type type and and ancient, going even far back beyond the medieval period, ancient heroes. Uh, what was their, um, you know, what was their mandate? Their mandate was to kill, subjugate, conquer, uh, take things over, convert to their they think that that that's a blueprint for almost every major empire that's ever existed. Um, so you know, and I and I mean, I I I, but yet somehow through we managed to turn this lens around and somehow create these people into these heroes, um, whereby let's look at some of the things they did. Let's look at the way they thought. Let's you know, people rarely talk about you know. Um, Henry the the fifth's um, you know outlook towards other races, um, his his policies towards you know different religions, his you know I mean he's just this great warrior king that you know um, conquers France. Like think what Henry the fifth is 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 famous for and why people love him. He conquered France. That that's that's his and he was a great warrior. He's a great fighter, and he and he led he led by the front and he. He fought beside his men. He was in the thick of things, and he's an inspiring soldier. And you know, like, he, you know, these are the things that we we have. But, but what was his mandate? His mandate was to take over territory, conquer, acquire. He spent his whole life warring, right? And 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 I think we forget that, especially in the medieval context um, and the ancient context. You know, that's what what ruling was about. You know, it really was about many things, but that was a major aspect. And um, I believe that uh, in terms of authoring and change, I, I don't think it's realistic to portray someone who just changes overnight because people don't just change overnight. And change is hard and it's it. people are entrenched. And if you think about the people you know who have who display bigotry and prejudice and all religious tolerance, homophobia, all these things, do they just change overnight? No, uh, they may or may not change at all. They may change to subtle degrees. They may change a lot. That usually comes by really traumatic experiences, events such as Othran uh, has undergone. But that doesn't mean they're going to change, you know, like that. And what about someone like you said, you raise this point, who comes from a, a background and, and a perspective of privilege, and is inoculated by 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 privilege, right? And is raised is like, you know, most people. I mean, we we see the we see the news now about a very different type of royal. For example, I'm not picking any particular moderate royal royal family monarchy but let's look at the british royal family right you know we 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 were all they're always you know they're in the headlines for for things that you know i mean for us you know it, it's for many of us um the outcry about about you know whether there should be a monarchy or not is is largely because of the people um who are in that monarchy and some of the traits that they display and you know the fact that they they the perception is that they are they are insulated by privilege and, and out of touch with with what happens with, with regular people. So, you know, um, but beyond that, there's also another aspect in that, you know, um, I do very much highlight that for the most part, especially in the context of 
you know, a medieval type ruler, an ancient type ruler, um, their their actions are not to be necessarily judged versus their morals are not to be judged versus other men because the decisions they have to make it's just like the ceo of a company you know is the ceo of a company responsible to shareholders is he making the best moral is he or she making the best moral decisions or is he or she making the best decisions for the company and the shareholders and profits and bottom line um do the you know if, if there's a uh if there's something that the ceo can do do they have responsibility to be for example to to safeguard the environment if they can be more profitable by not doing so because of the nature of the business like those are things that you challenges you face as leader and it's the same thing as being being a ruler so you know i we also have to you know give author not a mulligan but we do have to examine what he does through the lens of someone who is in charge of you know of a people and you know what are the decisions you have to make uh, for that people to survive what are the the ruthless things you have to do for that people to survive and what are the things you have to do for your own survival and your own gain and ensuring your own bloodline continues and you know like um some tough decisions yeah Othron is known for making tough decisions whether he makes the right decision or not is up for the reader to interpret um he doesn't always make the right decisions in order from my perspective but he believes that it's in the best interest of him and his people especially in in a new world that they never thought that they would be part of that they're they're learning as they're going sort sort of speak and they're trying to um do the best that best that they can while still ma- trying to maintain some version of the people that they were back on Antalantics and trying to keep that culture um kind of inbound even though their numbers are dwindling and it's kind of impossible to not adapt and bring on new new aspects, new ways of living, new, new themes, new, new, new cultures, new, new religions in some, some aspects. That's a main theme of Lord and King. How are these different people going to intermingle under on one land, under one rule? And um, some people, some people will love that new change. Some people won't. What's the combat? What's the conflict within those, like with when in closed spaces, what do you hear like behind closed doors? What what do you see out in the open? What are people saying, but you know that they don't mean it? What are they if and if they do mean it, what what's their hidden agenda? It, it's a constant revolving revolving door of what you're introducing and like the little little hints and aspects that you're introducing this, especially the new characters that you bring in Lord and King, but that's for the spoilers. Not getting into that yet. Maybe we'll do a spoiler release for Lord and King. Um, whenever that's uh, released. So f- let's talk just a little bit about Lord and King before we get to what we're here for, the cover reveal. Um, what what was the main thing that you want readers to take away when before they're picking up this book and on the com- completion? Because before you're picking up this Lord and King, you don't know what to expect, and it just starts with a bang with the prologue. That's li- not, not a spoiler. The pro- prologue blew me away. I know it blew a lot of other readers away. Um, and then upon, upon completing it, I fig- figured that, wow, just just the best is yet yet to come. That's what I took away upon finishing this book. What would you like readers to know before going in and after completing it? What's what's to come? Well, thank you, Blaze, for the <clears throat> kind words. Yeah, I'm very, for- very blessed um, that the advanced readers that read this book, uh, which we'll talk about more when we, when we reveal the cover, because... 
Um, I'm, they've graced um, my cover with their their endorsement blurbs, which I'm, I'm so honored. But um, yeah, Lord and King, like all my books, is divided into three parts, and um, you know, so three acts, right? And and those acts are very different. And I think since you've read the book, I think you'd agree that the tone and the feeling of those acts is very different. And and yet they're all very interconnected, obviously. And um, again, Lord and King, I, I wanted to really explore what are the consequences, burdens, um, res responsibilities, costs of power. Um, how is power administrated judiciously or not? Um, you know, what are the kind of things that you must do as a leader to survive, to keep your people alive? And what are the kind of concessions you must make, especially, um, you know, to, to thrive, as you so aptly pointed out about in this new reality for Othran and the Atalanti to come from this society where they were the top dog, they were peerless. You know, they, you know, they had the, the superior military, they had the numbers, they had everything in their favor, and now they don't. Um, you know, they have some things in their favor, but not enough for them to be the difference maker yet. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, and as I also want to illustrate that as a ruler, um, you know, again, the impossible, the impossible choices you must make have serious repercussions that spread beyond like these may be serious geopolitical repercussions not just in your court in your realm in your region but some things you do can be extremely far-reaching right and the alliances you make and the enemies you make um will have serious consequences down the road um you know for not just you but perhaps generations right and and you know just like today we we don't we don't know what um the war in ukraine is going to mean for future generations, we can only we can look at it now. We can look at you know a world you know a food crisis and and you know climate crisis and all kinds of things. But you know we don't really know what those the repercussions are not going to be seen and felt for perhaps generations. So that is a lot what Lord King is about. And it's also about the fact that um, you know Othran has in some ways um, disavowed, denied. Uh, not acknowledge certain things about his reality up until this point, because he's had the luxury of being able to do that. Now he can do that no longer, um, you know. <clears throat> and um, uh, Tim Hardy, one of the advanced readers, um, aptly said in his review, obviously it's not posted yet, but that, you know, seeking and acquiring power is different from being in power. And 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 Othran spent the first two books seeking and acquiring power. Now being in power what does that look like? It, 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 it's, it's perhaps not as glorious as he initially thought it would be, a lot harder than he initially thought it would be. Um, one of Othran's um, most staunchest, if not his staunchest support is Glathan, and Glathan is probably uh, one of the, the good characters in, in, in the, the series. He's also one of the wisest and most astute politically characters. And, and he warned Othran um, in, in the previous book you know, enjoy, you know, enjoy this day because this is the best day and future forward, um, the party's over now. You know, you've had the celebration at the party. Now it's time for the real thing to happen and you're going to have some bad days. And Othran sees those bad days big time in Lord King on almost every front, personal, interpersonal, uh, politically, militarily, spiritually, he goes through 
a lot in this book. Arthurin goes through a lot in this book. <laughs> yeah, he goes through so much. It kind of, kind of was wondering in the back of my mind, like, are you ever going to give this guy a break? Just how much stuff <laughs> you packed into Lord and King, and I know what. Well, I don't know what's to come, but I know that there's going to be a lot of more stuff thrown at him and his and his people in in the next uh, four books in in the main series, and who knows what's going to happen in this in the sequels uh, in the sequel series as well. So uh, with that, I think we are about ready for the cover reveal. Are you ready, Pio? I am ready. All right, let's uh, let's share this big boy. All right, and here we go. There it is, in all in all its glory. <laughs> Behold the cover of Lord and King. So, talk to us a little bit about this cover cover design, and why did you want to go with um, with a crown? It kind of looks like a very uh, obviously. It, if you look closely at it, you can see it gets a little little dirty, little um, little uh, around it, like kind of a little bit rusty too. So, like more of a rustic feel. Uh, why did you want to go with this design for it? Well, um, the crown is actually described um, in the book, and this is one of Arthurin's, uh, actually one of his more simple crowns, as, as he has many crowns. But um, this one is a simple one that, um, you know, is kind of a, uh, for me, this, you, you hit the nail head, it exemplifies um, the state of Arthurin's, um, Arthurin's leadership, uh, the position he's in, the ties to the past, um, you know, and of course, you see this the central figure be beneath the the main point is is the triangle circle symbol, which is obviously um, you know dominant in in the entire series. Um, you know, but a simple, understated kind of elegance, but still a bit 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 tarnished, and uh, you know, not pristine, but something that is impressive, and you know, um, bespeaks to the power of 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 the position. Um, so yeah, so I want to keep it really simple, uh, gold, um, you know, that's a big color in the series, as you know, from the triangle circle symbol and gold is a big deal, big, is a big, uh, deal to Arthurin. Um, he likes his, his money and, uh, he likes his gold and he likes the show of the pomp and circumstance of, of, of being in power. So, uh, gold was definitely the color I wanted. I wanted to keep it very simple, um, uh, for this particular cover. Every color has a theme and, I wanted um, the readers to focus on the fact that, yeah, it's a big change now for Arthur. He's into a new phase. And that new phase, you know, um, the part one of Lord and King is entitled, you know, Birds of a Crown. And, you know, and I wanted to, again, emphasize that, you know, um, the crown um, carries some weight to it uh, in more ways than one. So, yeah. And I also wanted to highlight um, the. The blurb on the cover from our good friend uh, Jenny Wirtz. Jenny's actually watching right now. Uh, hey, Jenny. Uh, so, hey, Jenny. <laughs> so let's just let's just read it. So, PLC just gets better and better. The poignancy of many of the scenes of this installment are truly gripping and moving. I was captivated from the very first page, and I completely concur with with what Jenny said from the very first page of the prologue. You're just drawn in, like I. I couldn't like not get through it fast enough. Uh, I, I think I read this book in like two, two, three days. It just, I kept coming back to it over and over and over again. Uh, it just completely um, grabs you. Uh, so Jenny, thank you so much for uh, doing the, doing the cover blurb for this. It's very, 
very, very touching. Uh, and that must've been a big, uh, big boost, big boost for UPL. Yeah. To have, <clears throat> excuse me, as, as I mentioned, um, you know, without getting too emotional here to have uh, Jenny Wirtz, who's become a friend of mine. And I know is a dear friend of yours as well, uh, that we've cultivated this relationship over the last few years as fellow authors. And, and for me, you know, Jenny Wirtz is iconic and I, you know, I look up to her so much as so many people in the writing community do. She is one of the warmest and most wonderful, um, you know, people out there, period. And she's also um, just a peerless writer in terms of talent. I mean, no one writes like Jenny Wirtz. I mean, she is my favorite author. And and the honor of having my favorite author be willing to read my work and endorse my work is is just, it's almost, it almost defies comprehension. Um, you know, but Jenny read the book and she liked it and she was willing to uh, put her endorsement behind it. Obviously, I know she doesn't do that lightly because she, uh, you know, she's an author of immense esteem and, and, and reputation. And the same can be said for the other authors who put their name on on the book and that are on the back cover. Um, but yeah, in terms of Jenny, um, you know, she has supported the series from day one. Uh, she's she's like you uh, have plays, and to, for that I'm truly grateful. She has uh, constantly been a champion of my work, and 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 I, I can't thank her enough. Uh, it is an extreme privilege to have her um, to have her name on the cover. And obviously, I want to talk about um, the other three wonderful, amazing people um, who are also uh, graced me with their cover uh, endorsement. Um, uh, Eve uh, Kogus, who is a multi-award winning author. Um, her Neglected Murder series, one of my favorites, uh, romance, uh, fancy romance, a brilliant, brilliant author. She's racked up so many awards. For her writing, she is, uh, you know, she's just amazing. Such a warm, sweet, genuine person. So talented and so insightful. And again, she was she she's been a, a proponent of my series from day one, um, before a lot of people even you know knew what it was all about, and continues to be. And and I'm so grateful to have her in my corner. Um, and then I have um, two other dear friends. Eve, of course, is a dear friend. And then I have two other dear friends um, who are part of my my closest, probably my, you know, essentially my inner writing circle, and I'm, I'm gratefully part of theirs, um, uh, Holly Tinsley and Tim Hardy, uh, two SBFBO7 self-published fantasy blog of seven finalists, um, Holly for We Men of Ash and Shadow and uh, Tim for Hall of Bones. Um, you know, these are two of the real shining indie stars, indie writing stars in the community who, you know, uh, have built up such an, an immense reputation as both writers and people. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I know you in specifically, uh, Blaze, you, you've read a lot of Tim's work and and you're a huge fan of, of his work. And Holly is, is so talented and probably Holly probably writes some of the best opening lines in fantasy. And, you know, Tim's Hollowbone series is, I told you, that's my, like, my Game of Thrones fix now. Um, so um, they were kind enough to read the book they both really liked it too and 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 i'm so happy i'm so blessed to have those three eve um tim and holly uh in my life uh, they've added so much to it and to my writing journey I've, I've learned so much from them i look up to them as writers um they 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 their craft their knowledge of the industry is superlative and and they offer so much um eve's uh eve's newest book of find your way is uh my next one i'm gonna be one of my my reads coming up soon. I have some reads to get through, but that's definitely going to be. I've already ordered her book, and it's going to be fantastic. Different from the romance fantasy, but but really, I'll read anything she writes. Um, Holly and Tim, of course, uh, both are going to be part of the anthology of Fear, um, a great anthology of which I'm honored to be writing the forward. That the Kickstarter is ongoing right now. Go back to that Kickstarter. It's twelve fantastic authors, including Tim and Holly, 
And it's about, uh, you know, what do we fear and why do we fear it? And it's going to be just amazing. So uh, mostly SPFBO semifinalists and finalists and award-winning authors compiling um, that, uh, the, compiling that anthology. So, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, when you have those four people being willing to, to give you cover endorsements, I mean, it just, you know, I mean, I'm, it, it leaves me speechless when I actually assess it, not only look at the cover, but yeah, I'm very blessed. I'm very lucky. Very lucky. Yeah, it's great to have such great authors be a be a fan of your work, including including myself. You're right. I love Tim Hardy's work. Holly Tinsley, I, I loved her um, first book in first book in her series, We of Ash and Men. That it was just it was just great. I actually listened to the audible version of that. So um, fan, fantastic stuff. And um, yeah, this this cover is just the tip of the iceberg. When uh, it doesn't even do um, it. <laughs> You can't even predict from the cover what's going to be inside inside the book when you read it. Uh, it'll just it'll blow you away at every step and turn. You won't be able to anticipate anything um, of where the story is going to go. A lot of twists and turns, especially especially in part three. That 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 part will throw you for for a loop. Especially yeah, when you get to it, couldn't couldn't recommend this this uh, this book enough. So. Well, while we're on the uh, down downside of of that, um, book is supposed to be released in spring of 2023, and you have a pretty good release schedule for your for your other one. So you're think, planning one book a year to to get out. Hopefully, you keep on that schedule, and we'll just be have we'll be we'll just be doing this cover reveal every every year uh, moving forward. That would just be uh, awesome. Yeah, I hope so. Um, for those of you who don't, are not aware, uh, this is the Drowned Kingdom Saga is a seven book series as Blaze has highlighted. So uh, Lord and King will be book three of seven. Uh, my commitment is to write a book a year and release a book every year. So um, now that Lord and King is a, is imminent release, now that the release of Lord and King is imminent and people will be seeing, um, you know, have been reading the books, my advanced readers, the, the four of them and, and people close to me, uh, some other writers close to me, and of course, my my wife and my family. That uh, book four, entitled Alliance Pride, will be uh, released uh, next year in 2024, around the spring. So that will be book four. And uh, as I said, it's just uh, astounding that, you know, it seems like yesterday I was publishing a John Kingdom, and now I'm already working hard on book four, Alliance Pride. And, you know, um, so... Um, authors or the journey of the Drunk Kingdom saga will continue. Um, you know, so uh, this is this is a pivotal moment with book three, and, and I can't wait uh, to see what everyone thinks of book three. And believe me, I'm working hard on book four to make book four even better than book three. And uh, I think, um, you know, without getting too far ahead of ourselves, we're on book three, but book four, I believe, is going to uh, throw some people for a loop. So let's just leave it at that. But um, we're on Lord and King, and yes, um, and hopefully it will be out in the next month or two. It's definitely a game changer, and more more so when Book Four comes out, that'll be even more of a game changer. It'll just it'll raise the stakes of what you think epic fantasy can be, uh, while still having that like classical fantasy type feel and type of writing style. It, um, it's epic fantasy the way I like to I like to read it. Plenty of world building, plenty of conflict, character interactions, plenty of battles. There's plenty in in this book as well um, for you to to sink your teeth into and to enjoy, and a lot of 
uh, a lot of politics, especially in especially in this one when you're setting up a new realm and the consequences of the choices that you make, the consequences of who you put in power and what they do with that power. Um, that's the main theme that I took away from this. And also your knowledge and what you believe uh, of other people. And if is that preconceived notion true? And is it wrong? And if it's wrong, how do you adjust? And how do you how do you live in this new world that you created? So yeah, can't I couldn't get enough of it. I definitely want to do a reread of it leading leading up to the release. Uh, and I just can't wait to see it on the on the shelves. You did a great, great job here, uh, Bial. It's just spectacular. Thank you so much, Blaze. Um, you know, I have to thank uh, first and foremost my lovely wife again, my business manager, my partner, my everything who who does so many things behind the scenes to allow me to um, be an independent author. And you know, I love you, babes, and thank you for everything. Um, and you know, we're 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 almost halfway through the series now, so um, you know, she's she's behind me, pushing me along, and making sure that I get these books out. Uh, you know, in a you know in a reasonable uh, time frame. Um, again, to all my writing friends. Uh, too many to mention, including the four that have so generously, um, you know, provided endorsement verbs for the cover. Um, you know, but there's there's so many people I can name um, that have been instrumental writers, especially and and people. I need to mention um, Blaze and give Blaze. Um, you know, Blaze was the first uh, major blogger who um, you know uh, took a chance on me as a, as a novice writer. Um, you know, he knew nothing about the book. Uh, he never heard of me, of course, because, you know, I was a new writer and no one had heard of me. And, and I don't know what he, he saw, but, um, Blaze is, uh, is a champion, a true champion of under the radar books, uh, true to his moniker. And he has, um, accentuated and highlighted so many books that are deserving of recognition that, that people now consider favorites and it's because of Blaze. And, and I, I you know, Hats off to you, my friend. I, I, you know, you are a pillar of the writing community. Um, you've done so much to support, um, especially us independent authors and authors with books that perhaps don't uh, yet quite have the um, the following and and the audience that you know that they could have. And you you help you definitely help increase that audience and uh, and bring more to the forefront. So thank you so much for for what you do and for doing this and for doing my cover reveal. And um, you know, it means so much to me. Oh, you're very welcome. I always set out to when I started this podcast and my blog to give uh, readers and bloggers, sorry, give readers and authors who need that that boost and the recognition, making sure they're getting the the um, the notoriety they deserve, and getting readers to find series that they might not have found any other way. Can't tell you how many series I've read over the years that still to this day. Do not have a big audience. Yours is one of them. Janny's Wars of Light and Shadow is another. Um, Shadows of the App that just had Adrian Tchaikovsky on my podcast. That's another. I will continue to do this because um, because it, it needs to be done, and um, and and there always needs to be people, uh, someone promoting uh, indie authors. They their livelihoods are on the line in some cases, and I will do everything in my power to make sure that they're they're seen and. Thank I thank you for reaching out to me. I remember it like it was yesterday to to read uh, Drown Kingdom, uh, and when you were kind enough, and I'll just show it one more time to send me both of the, both of the books, and they're lovely. Uh, I devoured them, and I will devour them again. This, this is a series that I'm going to be reading for probably the rest of my life. 
And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. And Lord and King is right up there with anybody, any, any book out there. It's in my top three for 2023. And it's not going to, it's definitely not moving no matter what, no matter what other book is going to be published. So once you, once you get in your hands, you'll see what I'm talking about. And if you haven't picked it up, picked up a drowned kingdom and pick up a last of the, at the last of the Atalantians, you will be glad that you did, especially if you like epic fantasy with more like a classical type feel. Um, yeah. Loved it. Nothing more I can be can be said about this series. So um, I think with that, we shall wrap up. So Theo, thank you again for um, allowing me to do this, the cover reveal, my first live stream cover reveal. Uh, hopefully we get to do this again sometime. Uh, for those of you who want to get in touch with PL, uh, PL, why don't you tell them where they can find you and how they can uh, find your work. Okay, so for the books, all things book-related, my website is www.plstert.com. Uh, that's where you can find out more about the Drown Kingdom Saga, my series, what I'm working on, etc. cetera. Uh, I do a, um, an independent and traditionally published author interview feature written form, which is called, <clears throat> excuse me, Six Elemental Interviews after the Six Elemental uh, Goddesses in my novels. Um, so um, up to about 30 to 40 interviews now. It's been a fantastic experience. I've met, been able to met and and been able to meet, sorry, and, and interview so many wonderful creatives, and um, you know, and and hopefully help feature them as well. Um, and those uh, six month interviews is also frequently cross posted on Before We Go blog, where I am a blogger. Uh, Before We Go blog is to me one of the top uh, blogging sites out there. is led by the incredible Beth Tabler, who is a, a pillar again of of the writing community. She's also a very prominent uh, editor in Grimdark Magazine. So shout out to Beth Tabler for all you do and the collection of, of bloggers and before we go blog, I wish I could name them all, but they're, the talent level in that in that group is just phenomenal. It's off the charts. So uh, www.beforewegoblog.com. You can see many of my reviews posted there and on Goodreads. <clears throat> Excuse me, once again, my sister editor there. Um, you can also find me on Page Chewing which is a booktube feature um, you know, where I'm a co-host with the incredible uh, Steve Talks Books and May Between the Pages Taylor, where we interview uh, creators from the community, writers, uh, podcasters, agents, uh, people, uh, you know, um, a lot of people uh, from the uh, writing, greater writing community. And um, you, know, you can find me on either Steve or Ch Taylor's channel doing that. We have a main page to interview feature and then we also have page chewing Friday conversations, which is more informal. We get a bunch of people together from the community and we we chat and we have a blast. So, um, yep, <clears throat> excuse me, that's where you can find me. My preferred uh, social media handle is Twitter. And sorry, my preferred social media platform is Twitter. My handle is at PL Store Right. Uh, I am on Instagram to some degree and Facebook to less degree, but you can find me lurking on Twitter. That's, that's where I, I spend a lot of my social media time. So uh, that's where to find me. Awesome. And for those of you who want to listen to this again, I will be posting it on my podcast a little bit later this week. And we, right after this, we will be retweeting the cover. So don't be, don't worry. If you see it, please retweet it and be sure to give PL all the love he deserves with this series. So thank you all for joining. And as always, cheers, everybody. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you so much, please.